next year. Hey, hey. They're playing like that. That seam is open. Eight seconds left, down three. Hey man, Charlie, <laughs> I got a riddle uh, for you. Oh jeez, here we go. Yeah, the cat coughs up a hairball. What does a buffalo cough up? A touchdown with 13 seconds left in a football game, or a field goal, whatever the hell it was, man. I don't, I don't even. A lead, you got it. Uh, man, it's uh, that was a tough one, you know. And it was Charlie. It was worse than a tough one. Like we don't have to sugarcoat this. This was a. A historic collapse in NFL history. It it was definitely seconds. Yeah, I, I mean, look, man, it's you can even go back before that. Like, I, I know everyone's focused on the 13 seconds because it happened and the overtime because it happened, but don't forget there was also a drive before that that Buffalo had the lead on, right? With under two minutes left that they gave up a 64 yard touchdown on. Which, by the way, and we can talk about it if you want to. How does of all times not to call them sportsmanlike conduct on Tyreek Hill for throwing the peace sign that right. they called multiple times on him? Not to call it there, I thought was questionable. But, uh, you know, that was fine. Buffalo got the ball back. And Josh Allen, man, um, I I mean, what do you say? There's not much to say about Josh Allen. The guy played near perfect football, as perfect of a two playoff games as anybody could have played. And he looked phenomenal doing it. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I've been – we were going to do this last night. You know, we're recording this today on on, on Tuesday. We we're going to record it yesterday. Um, I'm still recovering from COVID, so it's kind of down in the dumps from that. And, and just yesterday, I was just uh, – honestly, man, I was just too depressed to get on and try to do this. Um, I'll be honest. I, I've cried once after a Bills game, and that was the Music City Miracle, and this was the second time. You know, this is like the second time. I mean, you, you go from crying tears of joy with Josh Allen scoring a touchdown with 13 seconds left to crying, like, excuse my language, but what the fuck just happened? All right. And now, 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 just so our listeners, most of our listeners probably know, know us, but you, you were too young to really remember the Super Bowls. But, Charlie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out to you here. You, have, you didn't cry after the Super Bowls, but you obviously have gone back in history and learned about them. Mm-hmm. Rank rank this for me. This is one of the worst losses in Bills history. Do you do you have a listing? I think this goes right out there with number one. I and, and it's hard to say right because this is the first one, right? This this is really the, the big one. This is right up there for, though, for you in your lifetime for, for, of memory. For, for me, in my opinion, yeah. I mean, you could put wide right up there because yeah, Scott Norton makes that field goal Buffalo with the Super Bowl, and maybe the years to follow after that are are, are different. You know. Um, but at the same time, it, you go from having a lead with, with the team that I think throughout the year people were really high on and really low on. Then after the games against New England and, and, and the wild card matchup against New England, I think people kind of said, okay, this seems to be for real. I mean, look, dude, Buffalo hasn't ever had a quarterback like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to break every single one of Jim Kelly's records forever. You know, even without the extra game thrown in there for, you know, he's going to smash every one of Jim Kelly's records. 
there will be a statue of Josh Allen built outside of wherever the Bills are playing when that time comes. He'll be on the Wall of Fame. I mean, I'll, I'm going to go as far as say that Josh Allen is a future Hall of Famer in this league. Wow. My honest, honest to God opinion, I think the guy has proved that he can hang with the best. And in all honesty, I think these last two games, he showed that he can be the best quarterback in the NFL. I know Patrick Mahomes is a very good quarterback, and people want to sit down right now and say, yes, he is the best quarterback. But him and Josh Allen are two completely different players, and that showed this week. Josh Allen hurt somebody running them over. Patrick Mahomes, yes, Patrick Mahomes can run. We saw that early on in the game. But Patrick Mahomes avoids the contact. Josh Allen welcomes the contact, which I know isn't the best. (laughs) At, at, at times and, and gives me a heart attack most of the time when he's taking the contact. But, you know, Josh Allen is a physical player and he, the dude plays his ass off. I mean, what else do you say? You know, he's not flashy and, and, and do, does the no look passes like Patrick Mahomes or, you know, does a little tricky stuff like Patrick Mahomes. The dude just goes out there and is a dog and just plays the game of football like no one has seen before. And he is very well on his way to possibly being the best quarterback in the NFL. It's just a damn shame that he has to be in the league while Patrick Mahomes is in the league. All right. So Charlie, you want, you want to keep staying positive stuff here? You want to go negative? Like I feel like we should just, just hit the high points and the takeaways and then hit the low points separate. Which one do you want to well, hit first? I, I, I think we need to end this positively. And um, okay, all right. So, so, so let's let's do the negative all right, stuff so we're, first. We're, gonna, we're just gonna there. take a total U-turn here from talking about your Hall of Fame track here to it's 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 what we call when I was coaching hockey, Nick. We called it the Oreo effect. You always give the good point and then the bad point, and then you end it with a good point. So let's oh, give our listeners the uh, good Oreo effect. You're a compliment sandwich fan. There, I am. I am. I, I, that's the type of coach I am. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that that term before. I worked at the at the Apple store like briefly and they said, well, we don't do compliment sandwich here. We're about honest feedback. Or I forget what the there was some alliteration, fearless feed feedback or something. Like we're just gonna tell you how it is and own it. And so anyway, we're gonna tell we're gonna tell how it is right now. The last 13 seconds of the game. Charlie, this was purely inexcusable. Absolutely no other word for it. Sean McDermott twice in his press conference after the game and in his postseason press conference two days after the game absolutely refused to address it. I'm, I'm, I don't know. He, I, I think he's covering for Leslie Frazier because he knows Leslie Frazier's going for head coaching jobs. I don't know what else you have to say. We can – the two, two parts of the last drive, one is the kickoff, Two is the defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the, the details of the kickoff are far less important than the defense that allowed Patrick Mahomes to go 40-whatever yards in 10 seconds. Whether you kick deep, you squib it, you pooch it high, whatever, negligible, okay? There's positives and negatives to each one. I can see – you know, don't let something wacky happen. You're the team that had home run throwback against you. Don't give them a chance to return this. Don't let anything weird happen, especially after the last punt. Don't get put the ball in Tiger Kill's hands if he's back there. Don't let some of their playmakers 
have the ball against your special teams when you have the number one defense. Mm-hmm. I get it. A lot of stuff can go wrong on a squib. It goes out of bounds. You get a penalty, whatever. Like, I get it. Sean McDermott, even though he did start going for fourth down early in the game, then got scared later. Like, he's a conservative coach, all right? Like, that's pretty well well proven at this point. He's going to kick deep, and he's going to say, let my defense do it. Like, so should they have squibbed? Maybe. But, like, I'm not super mad about that. If, if you want, I, I know other people are people. That's that's fine. That's your opinion. I am much more disappointed in the defense. Charlie, where do you want to start here? We could talk about the defensive backfield coverage. We could talk about not putting a man over Kelsey. We could talk about rushing four. We could talk about basically looking like they're in a prevent defense, guarding the sideline when the team has timeouts. Like, where do you even want to start? Let's talk our way through the whole process. I mean, let's talk our let, let's start at the the kickoff. Okay, Cause, well, because right, so as, as much as you don't think that that's important, that that still plays a big role. Well, yeah, I didn't say it wasn't important. I just said I of all the the BS that happened, I was going to choose to be upset about other aspects of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, but so so let's let's back up like like another minute. Then somebody somebody tweeted Patrick Mahomes threw for 175 yards after the two minute warning. Like the, the this game was that can't nuts. be that can't be right because he had the sixty four yard touchdown and then forty more yards. It's not one hundred seventy five. That the math doesn't make sense. Uh, including overtime, I don't know. Oh, okay, maybe overtime. Sure, I yeah. guess you could put that in there. But look, yeah, man, well, I mean, you go back to that kickoff real quick, and mm-hmm. you we'll go even back further. You mentioned Sean McDermott's press conference, and sure, maybe he's not trying to throw Leslie Frazier on the bus. Um, if there's one thing with Sean McDermott. If if he makes a mistake, he historically has owned up to his own mistakes. I think that's fair to say. Um, he's also not a guy to point a finger at anybody, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach. So I think when he wants to sit down and say execution, you know, I, I think you got to read between the lines there. I think there's reporters out there like, a, um, you know, I'm not going to name any names. I think everyone knows who's been kind of really bashing McDermott more so than others online about him not wanting to say what really happened. I think part of it is what you said. He's protecting Leslie Frazier because he's going for head coaching jobs. But at the same time, if I'm interviewing Leslie Frazier, how do you not ask that question? What the hell happened in the sure. last 13 seconds? Absolutely. Of like that's a question he's going to be asked anyway. You know, um, at the same time, um, yeah, it, it, it's very possible that Tyler Bass was supposed to kick the ball in the air. You mm-hmm. know, we're supposed to squib it. And he messed up, you know, who, who knows? I mean, there's a number of things we weren't on the field. We're not going to know. But then you get into the two plays that got them down, you know, in, in field goal range very quickly. Um, why is everybody playing off of the line? Why are they playing 15 yards back and giving speedy guys like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Nicole, McCall Hardman, you know, all those guys in, in, in the red jersey, so much yardage. I think one of those reasons was because they just got burned for a 64-yard touchdown and no one could catch Tyreek Hill. And you're trying to play against the speed of Tyreek Hill, and I get that. But there was a lot of options that could have happened, and Sean McDermott said that they explored a lot of them, one of which being just hold every single player at the line and take the, take the penalty and draw the clock out, right? I take- saw something. The NFL changed the rule in 2017 that if you – Take the rule says multiple penalties to try to manipulate the clock. They put the time back on and add 15 yards. So you can do it once. So if they all hold once, that's fine. If they do it a second time, 
it's 15 yards and time back on the clock. So that's that that's the Ravens rule, right? The Ravens. Oh, uh, you're you're saying penalties. I was thinking multiple flags on one play. You're saying it's oh, multiple maybe. plays in maybe, a row maybe. with one flag. I thought I think it is multiple plays in a row, but I could be wrong. That that's gotcha. good good way to think about it, you know. Hmm. But still, you know, why aren't why isn't someone there bumping? I think if it was a Tre'Davious White situation, I think you're you're playing this totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Levi Wallace showed. The, the whole defense in general just showed they could not cover the speed of Tyreek Hill and the other receivers uh, that Kansas City has. And I think you're trying to protect yourself against getting burned on a long touchdown and not having that chance in overtime. I also think that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier looked at it like we have the number one defense in the entire NFL. Hmm. Let's let's put the game in their hands. This is their chance to prove why they're the number one defense. And I tweeted that I, I right then and there, right, right when the, after the kickoff happened, I said, this is a great time to prove why you're the number one defense in the league. And they couldn't do it. I mean, you, again, you go back to before that. And we said it, the, the two minutes, right after the two minute warning in Kansas mm-hmm. city scores, that big 64 yard touchdown. All you got to do is make one stop. You make a stop there. You know, you, you you got a bad incomplete pass on first down that that Jared McKinnon took his foot and stepped out of bounds by mistake, right? You got him almost a third down, you know, almost got him off the field, and you give up a huge, huge play. And that's what beat Buffalo, that was, was these huge chunk plays. Um, but, I mean, those last 13 seconds, I think it's just inexcusable. I don't know if how how me as an owner, if I was an owner of a football team, interviewing Leslie Frazier right now would feel confident in my hire in him after what happened in those last 13 seconds. Why are you playing the sidelines when the other team has three timeouts? Right. I thought uh, Tony Romo on the broadcast said something that was a great point and not that I'm the smartest Tony Romo. I was saying the exact same thing in my house. Why are you rushing four guys? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. he's got to get the ball out immediately either drop them in coverage, do something else. I mean, I, I, w- I always thought when the Bills could never stop Rob Gronkowski, just line somebody up whose primary job is hammer Rob Gronkowski at the line of scrimmage. You mm-hmm. get in contact inside of five yards. Right. Like, make that guy's life miserable, especially on a type of play where, I mean, I don't know, the Bills couldn't get home all night. I mean, they were getting pressure, and Mahomes was just getting out of it every single time which well, was they, so frustrating. On that so, Kelsey throw, they did get they did get a hit on Mahomes on that Kelsey throw. It was just a second too late. You know, well, and not that, it, been, not that I think that makes a difference, right? Yeah. What would have been nicer if Kelsey just wasn't that far down the field because somebody hammered him at the line of scrimmage. The same did thing happened see, in the AFC Championship game last year. How long did it take him to put somebody over Kelsey? Did you see the NFL films thing that was floating around Twitter today? Mm-mm. So – Kelsey, after the Bills called the timeout, after the first uh, Tyreek Hill play and before the, the the Travis Kelsey play, Kelsey goes to Patrick Mahomes and goes, this is how they're going to play. They're leaving the seam wide open. I'm just going to take it. And you can hear Patrick Mahomes on the films go, do it, Kelsey, do it, do it. Really? He saw it. They knew He knew what he was going to do. The other thing that I found interesting was if you watch the replay, if you watch Wallace, right, he sees Ty- he sees Kelsey going to that middle, 
instead of breaking in the middle, he waits until that pass is caught to even make a move. I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, what Sean McDermott said as far as execution is, is 50% true. You know, I think there was a plan in place that, you know, I think they even thought, look, they they might try to dump it, dump it short and try to just get, you know, as many yards as they can right now and let Patrick Mahomes take a shot at the end zone. I think, you know, that's not wrong. You got one of the biggest arms in the league, get to the 40 yard line and just see if he could chuck one in 60 yards in the end zone, which I, I mean, he mm-hmm. could with ease, right? All right, well, that, that was a similar thought I had is that maybe they were afraid of another DeAndre Hopkins type of situation where somebody just chucks mm-hmm. one in the end zone and they get beat. And maybe they said, we're just going to drop a bunch of guys because we're not going to let that happen. But I, I think the other thing, too, is given the speed of Tyreek Hill, you've got to come in. That's got to come into play somewhere, right? I mean, he's a guy you can put on the outside and he can just burn everyone right on the outside. And Mahomes has that arm to be able to just float it up there to him and allow him to get under it if he gets deep enough, you know? And if he gets behind the first first set of guys, you know, the Wallace and the the, the DBs up front, and he's into the second level, that's something you really got to worry about is him getting in open space and, and, and being able to make a move like he showed that he did on the, 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 the drive before that and make a move again to the end zone. I mean, do I think it was stupid? I, I think it was it was more moronic to rush four than what it was to play 15 yards off. For sure. You know, I don't think they were wrong playing 15 yards off and giving that cushion, given the speed on the field for Kansas City. But did, you, mean, need, did you need everyone that far? Unless you're going to have someone bump, bump Tyreek Hill. But again, the issue comes in. If Wallace is trying to bump Tyreek Hill at the line, right? If he makes a move around Wallace, he's wide open. And it's a foot race between him and Micah Hyde, who, you know, Travis Kelsey can outrun 90% of the guys in this league any day of the week. You know, Micah Hyde included. You're talking talking about Hill, Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm just. I'm still, sure. still dealing with it. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, a. How does that happen? They called timeout before both plays. Still couldn't get it right. You saw the formation mm-hmm. they were in. Then you called timeout. Then you drew up a play and let that happen and said, oh, crap. If they do that again, they can kick a field goal. Then you saw what formation they were in. Then you called timeout again, and you still didn't change it. How does that happen? You know, there's a who, – who makes the final say there? I mean, is that a Sean McDermott call or does Sean look at Leslie Frazier and say, you know, these are your guys. What what call do you want to make here? You know, who makes so, that I final mean, call? You would, you would think the head coach, but Leslie yeah, Frazier's I, the guy. I, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would – the way it's been going, I would think Leslie Frazier is – and Sean McDermott can overrule it. But I would think Leslie Frazier is coming from him, and Sean kind of has you know the the veto power. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's how their defense has been going this year. Sean is obviously while pitching for Leslie Frazier to get a job has said straight out, "This is Leslie Frazier's defense. Like, don't call mm-hmm. it the Sean McDermott defense. This is Leslie, Fra- and that's him being uh, what's the, I don't know, gentlemanly or stately, but." 
man, I don't know. If I ever, like, make the worst mistake of my life, maybe it's not, it would be nice to have a Sean McDermott on my team who just wouldn't call me out for it publicly. I don't know. I mean, I also give him a lot of credit for not doing that. You know, because I think a lot of people are also sitting here being like, oh, this is all Sean McDermott's fault. And, and I know a lot of people want to sit down and say that, you know, the reason this team, this happened was because Sean McDermott's not a good football coach. And I think that's the wrong thought to have. I think Sean McDermott's a great football coach. Look at what he's done with this team. What? How many coaches have come before him and haven't even gotten the team into the playoffs? Little alone had this team talked about as Super Bowl contenders multiple years in a row. I hear you. you. Know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, do, I'm not. Do 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 I think he makes some dumb decisions in in certain situations when it comes to clock management? Yes. But outside of what happened within those last two minutes of the football game, I think Sean McDermott called a very good football game as far as a head coach's job goes. There was no waste of timeouts, you know, no stupid challenges. I thought he did a very good job with his team preparing the offense more so than the defense. I mean, we can talk about that defense all day long, um, you know, but 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 he 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 kept his guys cool under pressure. They were down and out. I mean, there was a time, Nick, I think I texted you, and and I was like, like, this game's over. If they score a touchdown this drive, which luckily Butker missed the kick at the end of the half. Yeah, kept the minute. Kept Buffalo in it. I mean, they score a touchdown there. We could be talking a different football game. Well, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of points in this game where it almost turned. If – if Josh Allen doesn't make the magic happen, we're talking about how on earth do they let Tyreek Hill have a 64-yard touchdown with a minute to go in the game. That is getting so overlooked here because the other bullshit that happened after it, a minute left in the playoff game with a, mm-hmm. hosting the AFC Championship on the line and you give up a 64-yard touchdown, the guy mm-hmm. went untouched into the end zone. Well, and that's and you, that's why I go back to what happened within the 13 seconds, why they're playing so far off because that happened with 64 seconds. Right, you literally just had that happen. Right, right. I mean, and and that's not to me. That's not on coaching. That's not a coaching error. I mean, Levi Wallace was right there on him. He just got beat because Tyreek Hill's got, you know, he's called the cheetah for a reason. He's got speed, man. He, I mean, he burned Levi Wallace. He burned uh, Poyer. He burned Hyde. I mean, he burned the entire defense into the end zone. You know, that's not on 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 coaching at that point. But the fact that you have the number one defense in the league and you could not get stops in, cru- in crucial situations mm-hmm. is, is absolutely ridiculous. Really, the biggest stop they had was on the one-yard line because of a great punt. By the way, a positive, just to put a positive in all this negative talk, punting was fairly good, and thank God the punter can tackle. <laughs> yeah, save, save three or four points. You know, um, but on, on, on I mean, on top of that, I don't blame coaching for that mistake. That was just execution again, you know. Um, again, you you can blame coaching again within the thirteen seconds, but who? I mean, who do you want to blame? You want to sit here and try to tell me it's Sean McDermott's fault? Go ahead. It's not going to change. McDermott's not going to get fired because of this. McDermott's right, got well, your team. I got, I got to ask you. Of course, he's not getting fired. No, I, there's people who think. So, he so one thing McDermott said is, it's about execution. We got to execute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever a coach talks about execution, which is was the Rex Ryan specialty, you are That's sort of indirectly saying, "I called the play. The players got to, you know, execution is a failure of players, not coaching." 
No, I what, agree. I mean, what, if, if, are you telling me that the players did their role wrong in the defense? Like, it, the players seem to be executing the play as it was called. Is that mm-hmm. your opinion? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I, I don't know where you go from there. Unless he's talking but, about, okay, you know, okay. everybody's so got to do talk, their 111th and their, the coaches needs to execute too. I don't know. Are you talking within the 13 seconds, Nick? Yes. In his press I, conference, no, I, I do saying. not think they executed the, the, the play correctly. Oh, yeah, what do you think the play? I mean, no, no I mean, one can know this, but what, what did you think was supposed to be? I mean, I think Levi Wallace was too far over to the sideline, and there was no one there to tell him to, you know, move back in. Um, um, you know, because because if if you remember on the uh, Buffalo's on the opposite sideline, right? So so the near sideline was Kansas City sideline. Buffalo's on the opposite sideline. Early on in the game, I think uh, uh, Sean McDermott ran halfway down the field to yell to his guys that there was a screen call, which was, you know, exciting to see him get into it. But, uh, um, no, I, I don't think that was necessarily executed correctly. I think the plan was play 15 yards off but keep them in front of you. And I think that, you know, Levi Wallace on both both plays failed to do that. Failed to keep Tyreek Hill in front of him. Failed to keep Travis Kelsey in front of him. I think more so the second one because he's playing so far near the sideline. Hmm. Um, and definitely on the first one because Tyreek Hill just beat him. You know, I, I, I mean, it, it's plain and simple. You got to keep those guys in front of you in those situations and make the open field tackles. Um, you know, but again, like I said, I, I understand why you're playing as off as you are after what happened a minute or so before that. So, you know, it's, it, it's so hard to say, man, because like you said, we're, we're not there, you know, we're not playing the game, you know, we're, we're not hearing the play call. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you, we can assume and, and golf would because, because of what I said before, and I firmly believe this, and Nick, you could tell me if I'm wrong. So you, you being in the media, you know, paid more attention. You've covered this head coach in the past. So you have a general idea, but um, I mean, Sean McDermott has been fairly upfront and honest about, Hey, I made a mistake. I will own up to my mistake and say, I made this mistake, but he's also not going to throw anyone else under the bus when they made that mistake. And I think if Sean McDermott said, I made the play call and, and I should not have made that play call. I, I think people would have a totally different thought as to what's going on. But there's still, like I said, so many people out there that want to say, well, Sean McDermott had to have made the play call. That's why he doesn't want to take the blame for it. And I think that's wrong. My, my vibe was that he was he was covering somebody's ass. And I think so, too. I think so, too. On your, on your other point, I, I – I haven't been around McDermott as much in the past three, three years. So that I was like in the early McDermott years, at least back then, my take was that Sean McDermott was willing to, uh, I don't want to draw any like too obvious parallels to like your relationship, but he was good at saying he was sorry, or he was, he would take the blame for it, but he wouldn't actually learn from it. Or he was, he wouldn't actually, be sorry, but he would, he would say that in the mm. press conference or he was, well, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's on me. Uh, okay. Well, is it really on you? Like who's holding you accountable? You know, you, you didn't learn from it. You did it again the next time. You didn't change your ways. You didn't say, 
I was way too conservative. I should have been more aggressive. I shouldn't have punted on some of those fourth downs and two from, you know, my 40 yard line that the chiefs, you know, came back and scored it anyway. I don't know. As you change since then, maybe that, maybe that's too harsh, but to, to, that was to answer your question. I don't know. Whoever you want to blame, you, the fact is the 2021 Buffalo Bills had an absolutely epic collapse. And you can't – like Patrick Mahomes won the game, but really the Bills lost the game in unbelievable fashion. I mean, Mitch Warner said it best. They were on the wrong side of the greatest football game in probably the history of the NFL. I mean, it's up there, but the Bills found a way to lose it. Can I, can I? I don't know if this this should go in our in our positive side at the end, but I feel like it needs to be said given what has happened. Um, the nineteen eighty eight Buffalo Bills, and I know we keep comparing this team, and 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 maybe it's more so me than you, Nick. This team to the nineties team because this is really the last time we had a really really good football team. But the nineteen ninety eight Buffalo Bills went to the NFC Championship and lost. The 1989 Buffalo Bills went to the conference championship, or I'm sorry, the divisional round. Division? Conference. Division. Divisional round. Second round. Whatever it is. Went to the second round and lost on a last second play. Heartbreaking play to Cleveland. 1990, we know what happened. 90, 90, 91, 92, 93. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right now at nine twelve on January twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. The Buffalo Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champions next season. <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm I'm coming out. I I firmly believe it. I think that this team is gonna come out. and They're gonna be so beyond hungry to go out and 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 prove that what happened. And and, and look, we know they're they're tight on cap. We're gonna get into that offseason stuff. Later on in the podcast, that's really not what today's about. But there's no doubt in my mind that that this is going to fuel Josh Allen. We saw what happened after the Houston playoff series, right? And he lost that game. We saw what happened after last year. And look at the growth that he made in playoffs alone. I mean, talk about what he did in the regular season. Fine. I mean, he he looked like same Josh Allen from last year in the regular season. You. You didn't really see a, a, a massive progression from him, but he was as even as I think you you know you would like him to be. You didn't see any regression, but you didn't see a massive jump again like what you did last year, right? But man, he's going to come back and he is going to be hungry to prove everyone wrong because I I firmly believe that this team is just they're going to build off of this and the guys who come back from from this. Uh, are 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 going to be putting in the work this year, and I I just I'm expecting a totally different vibe from this Bills team next season. Yep, I I agree with a lot of that. Before we switch over to to our positive side, we do you know we got we got to go. We got to get a definitive ranking here, Charlie. Most heartbreaking loss. I'm going to give you my quick ranking. I think number one is still wide right in the Super Bowl game on the line, missed the kick. That that doesn't get. That's number one. This game, I'm probably putting number two. This, I know it wasn't the Super Bowl. I mean, but this, this is bigger than than Music City Miracle. Yes, Music City Miracle was in some ways more heartbreaking 
And, the, you know, but that, that team, on one hand, that team didn't really have Super Bowl expectations. So you weren't as truly disappointed. Was, but with, was Music City Miracle, though, more heartbreaking, really? I mean, like the, the way it ended, because this game, I okay. mean, okay. the 13 seconds was awful. But they're like, oh, well, it's overtime. You know, it's a 50-50 shot. There's still hope. There's still a chance. The Music, um, music City Miracle team didn't have, like, these – definite Super Bowl aspirations, but you had like the, the flutie magic. You, you just felt like the whole time you were on borrowed time and every, mm-hmm. everywhere you kept going. It's like, yeah, this is like, we're just, we're just stealing fun here. And you just, you were just on, you know, playing with house money and you were up a bunch and just any, anywhere you got, you felt great. And then it like all came crashing down like that. That was, ugh, you know, like that just, that just hurt because the team was, was fun. You didn't, you didn't think the '99 Bills were gonna win the Super Bowl, but you had Flutie. It could things anything could happen. Well, not, not for that game. You didn't have Flutie, but let's add one to this. Okay, now I know it's not football, but where do you put the no goal situation in this? Because I oh. guarantee you, the day the day that the Bills do win the Super Bowl or the Sabers win the Stanley Cup, there's gonna be a T-shirt going around. And, and, and Dell, if, if Dell Reed is listening, I I'm giving him a, no goal. I'm giving him a a a, a T-shirt idea. I lived through wide right, thirteen seconds. Yes. No goal. Yes. And the absolutely. Music and mean, music scene miracle. What what else we got? The phantom goal against the Flyers that went through the side. I mean, there, there's so many things, but I I mean, you think about the, the those are the big four, right? The music city miracle is a big one that's still constantly talked about. I mean, you the, could say I lived I lived about. through the drought is probably worth putting on a t-shirt. The 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 no goal is still talked about. You know, yeah. th- this game is going to be talked about for eternity. This game is going to be right out there with Music City Miracle. Ten years from now, you're going to see replays of this game. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know? what, whatever streaming service I have here, like you don't get the regular ads like like from TV. It's it's like the, the app only ads. I keep like constantly, constantly, constantly getting ads of of the DeAndre Hopkins catch. And then people go, stat that. Yeah, and it's like the Cardinals radio announcer who's like totally going for the Cardinals, obviously. And it I'm like, I'm like, how many times can I see this commercial? Like, no, know, know your audience, buddy. Like, I, I do not want that product. Like that, no. that's that was a horrible loss to live through. It was a regular season game, but just just the the way it ended was stunning. If if I'm ranking them though, Nick, I'm ranking. You know, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, I think wide right is definitely first. I think you're you're not wrong with that, right? I, then I, you obviously got to put uh, this game has to be and wide rights first. This game has to be second. Yeah, 13 if, seconds, I think, is second. Not, if not even 1B, right? I think you got 1A, 1B at this point. Um, I mean, I get, both of us are too young. I don't see how you could have a game, a Super Bowl winning kick on the line and miss it and think that this was the same. That's not, that's, I wasn't yeah, there. No, but. I, the reason why I feel like, though, this is the same is that. Jim Kelly didn't march down and score two touchdowns within two minutes. When, when there were so many the people, the, 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 the difference for me, I get it, right? I get that. I get that. The difference for me is Josh Allen was a quarterback going, even going into this year after everything he did last year, finishing second in MVP voting, having one of the greatest growths in NFL history from a quarterback from year one to year or from year two to year three, Right. Even then, ball in his hands, game in his hands. How many people tweeted out, 
It's Josh Allen. Like it's not gonna happen. Josh Allen's gonna blow this. How many uh, times? I, I I tweeted, you can't leave Josh Allen sixty two seconds and three timeouts. And you I'm, did. You did. You did. Um, but Josh Allen, I think, proved a lot of people wrong. I'll even say this: even Nick Wright, who has been the biggest Josh <laughs> Allen, the number one clown, the number one clown, number one Josh Allen hater in all of the media, even came out and said, "I am done." with the Josh Allen slander. Josh Allen proved himself. And he did. And he did. I don't think Kelly had any of those moments, right, in, in that game where you're like, oh, Kelly's going to go out and prove himself. You know? Um, but you're right. I mean, yeah, Super Bowl on the line, you missed a field goal to win the Super Bowl. And, and it wasn't like it was a 62-yard field goal. It was a makeable field goal, you know, right. wide right. Um but this is up there, man. And then obviously I think Music City Miracle goes third and, and the no goal could go fourth. I mean, the no goal. No goal. I might have to put that above Music City Miracle because it was in the Stanley Cup final, even though it was it was game six. The Sabres would have had to win again. But it was it was like like the you know, the the Mookie Mookie in uh the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Ball mm-hmm. goes through his legs, Mookie Wilson's ground ball goes through the legs of Bill of uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on this right now. The strike is ruining my baseball brain. Well, okay, so so we'll talk baseball. You want to talk baseball? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I no, want to remember no, no, this no, guy's no. name. I don't no, want to talk. Know what this, you know what this reminds me of? Near Yankees fan. Bill Buckner, right? Am I a totally yes, an idiot? Yes. Bill, okay, Bill I didn't Buckner. want to say it. It felt wrong. I was thinking of – I was getting him confused with Bucky Dent. I was like, is that right? No. You're a Yankees okay. fan, right, Nick? Yeah. Okay. Remember in – was it 2003? I believe it was 2003. Aaron Boone hit the walk-off home run. Uh, Tim Wakefield, first pitch, yep. Yes. What happened the following year to the Red Sox? They came back from 3-0 down. And they won the World Series, didn't they? Yeah. Oddly familiar to this Buffalo Bills team. <laughs> like, you, you can find so many different situations. Um, not 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 to compare it. I'm So I'm re-watching Ted Lasso for probably, like, the seventh time, like, this year alone. Like, I think it's one of the best shows on TV and it just so happens that – have you watched Ted Lasso, Nick? Mm-mm. Okay, I highly suggest you take a take the time, sit down, and watch Ted Lasso. It's a great, great show. Specifically, the last episode of the first season. I'm not going to – seasons leave. are there? There's two seasons currently. They're shooting the third one right now. Okay. Because you haven't watched it, I don't want to ruin too much for you. But for those people who have watched Ted Lasso, they'll understand what I mean. Um. They, they, there's a saying throughout the whole show that says it's the hope that kills you. And I think needless to say, there was a lot of hope in Buffalo that was, okay, we scored with 13 seconds left. I think everybody was very hopeful that something was going to happen. And sure enough was the hope that killed us. But, you know, in, in good old Ted Lasso fashion, as he says early on in the season, to one of his players, he says it again at the end, what animal has the uh, has the shortest memory? Hmm. A goldfish. And he tells all his players, even though we lost this game, after you're done being sad and mad and angry, be a goldfish. Forget about it. Move on because there's brighter things on the other side. And that's what we have to do as a fan base. Like, yes, we can be mad and upset about this for the whole offseason, but when – the season kicks off next year, even when the draft happens. Let's move on and, and, and watch this team 
go and make history next year. And that's all, right. all I gotta say about that. All right. Well, I don't. I don't want to leave my my obscure reference hanging. Uh, Bill Buckner was Game Six, so the Red Sox still would have had to win Game Seven, just like the Sabres still would have had a Game Seven. Is where I was going with that. Charlie, let's flip it around. Positive takeaways from this game slash season. I'll start with you. You, okay. you did mention Josh Allen from year two to year three had really an unprecedented growth. Mm-hmm. Did, like we talked to, uh, was it Billy Moy from PFF that we talked about this? Like like historical growth in quarterbacks. The jump Josh made from like eh, prospect maybe not going to make it to should, could have very well been the MVP. Like that doesn't happen. Like we need to understand how amazing that was. So naturally, there were going to be questions in in his following season. Is that the new standard for him? Did he unlock something? Was it possibly fluky? Is he going to regress? Is he is he very good but just had a very positive, even for, for very good standards, like everything fell in his favor and just natural randomness? He's going to be worse next year. Where's it going to be? Josh Allen was just as good. And in the, these last two playoffs games, you nailed it earlier. What more could you want? Like two amazing, amazing performances. In the history of the NFL in a playoff game, there have been two games where a quarterback had 300 passing yards, four touchdowns, and also 60 rushing yards in all of the NFL. It was Josh Allen this week and Josh Allen last week. This guy was amazing. As advertised, anything you could want, he gets it. He's like kind of dorky funny in the media. His teammates think he's a big goofball that they love so much. Josh Allen is the guy, undoubtedly. Mitch Morris even made a comment in his press conference that Josh Allen maybe left some money on the table by re-signing with Buffalo a year early and not, you know, hitting the huge jackpot of free agency. And, and again, saying this for a guy who, A, got a quarter of a billion dollars and, B, got the most guaranteed money in NFL history. This guy is for real, undoubtedly, was an assassin in the playoffs. Still cannot believe the Bills gave up. Think of any Bills team in your lifetime. A minute to go in a huge game, and they give up a 64-yard touchdown, and you're like, like, and the Bills rally back and score to the same guy who already had three touchdowns in that game. Are you kidding? Are you effing mm-hmm. kidding? Mm-hmm. That was unbelievable. If the Bills just learn how to cover a play or pooch kick or squib or whatever, just just not be total blockheads in the playoff 13 seconds. Josh Allen's performance against the Chiefs goes down to history as one of the greatest playoff performances of all time. The heater he was on from this game against the Chiefs and the perfect game against the Patriots before that, you are talking like an all-time hot streak in NFL history going into a home game for the AFC Championship against the Bengals and then a Super Bowl probably against the Rams. Bill's Rams would have been a great Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Bill's Niners, I think, would have been a great Super Bowl. I don't. I mean, the Niners, the Bills. I think you got, I like you the got, Bills you got Josh the Niners Norman. more. You got Josh Norman. The Niners don't have enough offense for me, like to keep it interesting. Like the Bills. Yeah, but, dude, Debo, Sam, Debo Samuel is so much fun to watch. He is. You know, what I looked up yesterday. I was like, "Is Josh Allen?" I was like, "Is Josh Allen the leading rusher in the playoffs right now?" He's second. second. 
Eli Mitchell is first, but then Debo is third. So it's running back, quarterback, receiver in the top rushing rankings of the playoffs. Who? What, what the hell? I don't know. Crazy to uh, think about, right? Yeah. So that's my positive spin. You lost the game, but you have no doubt you have the guy. And by the way, the guy is pissed about how this ended. And the Bills are coming back next year with a vengeance. I'm telling you, man, I'm calling it now. Called it Super Bowl champions next year. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, you took the easy one. I think the easy answer is Josh oh, well, Allen. Thanks, what, Chuck. What, what Josh Allen, you know, has done. I, I mean, I think, you know, that, that's how the biggest positive takeaway. Um, you know, there, there's two guys in particular that I want to, you know, recognize. And unfortunately, they're both free agents. But I think it's the emergence of Harrison Phillips, who showed he can come in and play the one tech defensive tackle that Buffalo's been looking for. And the emergence of Isaiah McKenzie, who I have been a big fan of. For anyone who has listened to this podcast all year, knows that I've been a big fan of Isaiah McKenzie for most of the year. And Isaiah McKenzie proved himself in big games and big situations both times against New England. Um, he's played very well when he has had the ball in his hands. I think he's only put the ball on the ground in the last two years only once outside of that fumble against Indianapolis. But there's a lot of other things that went wrong in that game. Um, I mean – the emergence of, of 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 Buffalo, you know, draft picks, you know, Harrison sure. Phillips is, is is becoming that player that I think the Bills wanted him to be when they drafted him. Finally, you know, finally, right, right. I mean, he's had a battle injuries and he's battled back yeah. and he's he he's he's shown that he can do it. Um, hey, quick tease for a future episode here when we look ahead to the offseason. Harrison Phillips is a free agent who I think played himself into a contract this year. Honestly, before. This year, even the first few weeks, it was looking kind of iffy, but I think he stepped up huge. He's going to be a big topic of – well, maybe not because we, we both are in agreement, but uh, future episodes. So tune back in for the offseason look at it. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you you talk about him. You talk about Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, Also a free agent. Also free agent. By the way, not to give them a shout-out, but I, I'm a big fan of it. The Isaiah McKenzie show that is usually on Tyler Dunn's uh, – Podcast usually comes out on Thursdays. I think the Isaiah McKenzie show comes out on Fridays. Um, this week's going to be a good one to listen to, I feel like. So it's the last one of the season, obviously. Give him a listen because I feel like we, you know some of those answers that people want as to what happened in the last 13 seconds may maybe be answered because he's not afraid to speak his mind on his show. Um, Which might hurt him in free agency. Might hurt him. Might hurt him. But, you know, I, I think if Buffalo's going to bring him back, you know, I'm okay if we don't see Cole Beasley in the Bills uniform anymore. Um, I think Isaiah McKenzie has proved that he could take over that slot role. Um, and I think he moved Davis to the outside. I think Davis, he's another one. I mean, you want to talk about Buffalo draft picks. Uh, you know, Davis has shown that he could step in and possibly wide receiver too on this team going forward. I don't even um, think possibly, definitely. No, right, right. You know, I'm, they, I'm try to take little... st- they try to take Stefan Diggs out of a playoff game. He has 200 yards and four touchdowns. Are you kidding? Right. I, I mean, he's, he's proved that he can be wide receiver too. Um, you know, and then even on the other side, you know, on the defense, I thought Greg Rousseau had a pretty decent year. Um, you know, all over. I mean, there's so many accomplishments that this team accomplished that you could just go on and on and on. I mean, being the number one defense in the league and and really when the league doubts you, having no one from your defense named to the Pro Bowl. You know, um, I mean, I don't take that as a big take against my team, right? I know some people look at, oh, well, they, they didn't go to the Pro Bowl. Who gives a shit? It's the Pro Bowl. Half the players don't want to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, 
but it, it's a big accolade that you don't you don't hear a lot of. And I, I think the defense proved that they could be a number one defense in this football league. Um, you know, just don't play Kansas City eighteen weeks in a row. Um, you know, and and again, uh, the emergence of uh, Devin Singletary. Even I can't believe I even forgot. Sure, to him. that's a good one. You know, there, there's people going around on Twitter. Uh, saying that Buffalo needs to take that first pick that they have in the draft and go trade it to the Giants for Saquon Barkley or try to make a trade to Carolina for for what? Christian McCaffrey. No. First of all, first no. of all, who said that? Uh, there's multiple people. Go, go back and yell at him. Throwing, yeah, I, I I said I think Singletary has proven that he can be that lead back. I'm not bringing in an injured guy in um, both of them. Yeah, and neither one of them, right? And I'm not trading my first-round pick on a team who's going to be cap-strapped a little bit this year, who's going to need a guy who can come in and possibly start right away. I'm not going to trade a first-round pick for a running back. You know? No, never, never, no. never, never. No, I mean, what happened last time the Bills used a first-round pick on a running back? Well, I mean, what happened the year Saquon Barkley got drafted? Who should they have taken instead? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of players probably could take instead of Saquon, but he was, you know, he's a good running back. I get it. Um. But, you know, uh, you know, Devin Singletary just proved himself that he can be the lead back. And he even showed it Sunday night against Kansas City. He looked very good running the ball. Uh, Dawson Knox is another one. You kid going down the list of we, – we talked about early in the year, and I believe it was even last year's draft show that we did, Nick, that we talked about um, how important the draft was for Brandon Bean because he historically has not necessarily hit on his draft picks, Right. And I think this year, a lot of those guys have finally emerged. I think they were late bloomers. Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Harrison Phillips, you know, uh, uh, Tredavious White obviously had another huge year, continues to have a big year. Levi Wallace, for the most part, outside of what happened Sunday, had a very big, you know, had, had, I wouldn't say very big year, but had a good year stepping in in place of, um, of, of Trey White, you know undrafted free agent that came in, but, you know, still a guy that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott went out and found themselves, you know, um, I'm going to be curious to see what the offseason looks like for this team, because as you have said multiple times, you're in your Super Bowl window. Now mm -hmm. I know Josh Allen's cap money jumps from 16 million to 40 million this year. Uh, you know what? I might've been wrong about that. When I, when it may I be 16 this. million. So they may have uh, one more year. They yeah. One done. more year, which is, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. Cap hit jumps up, not not uh, 2022, but 2023. So they got one more year when he's still, quote, unquote, cheap. This is your window. Holy cow. It gets harder after that. This is like playing Madden on easy mode in terms of team building. You have your quarterback on his – I go, well, he's not on his rookie deal anymore, but it's, it's still manageable. Uh, it gets up to 40 mil. You are – in trouble unless the sky seller cap happens to skyrocket because of the new TV deal. I don't know. It's still going to be huge. This is really the year. Okay. I mean, it is, it is, um, you know, and, and I'll be honest, man. I think if the bills ever just win one, I think a lot of the talk of like, you know, negativity, every time something negative happens, I think it'd be like, whatever we got, we got one finally. Like, that's all I want. I don't care if the bills win one Super Bowl and never win a damn Super Bowl again. I want to be able to say I was alive for one. That's all I care about. Same with the Sabres. When the Sabres turn things around, I know you're not watching the Sabres right now, Nick. I still do. I still follow along with them. They get their asses kicked right now by, by Ottawa. Yeah. But, the, uh, the Sabres have not been worth your, your three hours in a long time. 
But when the Sabres go ahead and win the cup, whenever that happens, with Don Granato as head coach, I'll throw that out there as well. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, I just want to be like, man, look, you know, Sabres finally got a, finally got a cup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if they ever win one again. They got one. That's all I need. I just need one. Just need the T-shirt. That's all I want. <laughs> I just want the T-shirt, right? <laughs> just give me the T-shirt and the hat. That's all I want. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I think the, emer- the the big thing I'm trying to get is the emergence of those draft picks from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. They're finally coming into fruition, and they finally all had fairly decent years, uh, one of which in a big contract year. You know, Isaiah McKenzie, I know, wasn't drafted by Buffalo. He was signed as a free agent after he was cut from Denver. Um, but, you know, that's another guy that they went out and they found early on in his career, and they kind of turned him into the player they wanted him to be, you know. Um, but I mean, you can go down the list, look at, uh, Ryan Bates, a guy that they traded for Ryan Bates and, uh, you know, um, who up till this year, he's another guy in a contract year. He took over for, for a, a veteran guard who I think after last year, if you would have told me this time last year that John Feliciano was not going to be on your starting offensive line going into a playoff game, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. Hmm. Like he was one of their best offensive linemen last year. And and this year he, he regressed. He took a step back. And Ryan basically will step in and play very good. Spencer Brown's another one. If you would have told me that uh, 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 one of your later round draft picks was going to step in at uh, right tackle halfway through the year and look like he belonged there for most of the time. Now he did get thrown around pretty easily by Melvin Ingram a few times. Um, the other night. But other than that, I mean, he held his own most of the year. Another guy that you can just continue to build positivity around with Spencer Brown. I mean, again, the list goes on and on and on with 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 the emergence of these these draft picks from from McBean. And and it's it's finally good to see that okay, I have some faith that Brandon Bean can continue to build this team through the draft and continue to put a um a good quality football team on the field, whether or not they have cap money to go and continue to to build the roster they want to build, they'll be able to build the roster they want to build through the draft. All good points. Right, right now, on January 25th, if the Bills spend every single draft pick on, on some big boys, beef up both sides of their line, wouldn't be mad. No, I, I mean, I think you go and I, – I think the one thing you take away from this game against Kansas City is your defensive line still isn't there. Ed Oliver, yep. by the way, has to, you. He had the one sack on Patrick Mahomes. I think Ed Oliver had a very good season. I think he had a quietly good season. You know, he had times where you're like, okay, what the hell is he doing? But he also had times where he looked just very dominant out there, and I think it helped having a guy next to him like Harrison Phillips who was able to take some of that pressure off of him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm excited for the growth of Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham. Um, I, they're obviously going to see a lot of playing time next year because I don't think Jerry Hughes comes back unless he's coming at back at like a vet minimum, hmm. you know. Um, but I mean, but I this is getting in the weeds. I don't feel super comfortable if those are my four starting defensive linemen. No, I mean, I think they go and do something. I think if you look at what, um, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott did when they were in Carolina. You know, now I know Bean was the assistant GM, but, you know, McDermott had some say on the guys coming in on his defensive line. I think they're constantly going to be building this defensive line because how much they like to rotate the defensive line. 
Those aren't going to be your your constant four. You know, look at how much they like to move those guys around. They're going to constantly be drafting guys, bringing guys in for that that, that defensive line and constantly, you know, interchanging pieces left and right. I mean, I think if they got a a top free agent, overspent their first-round draft pick on an interior defensive lineman, that would be okay. You can like Ed Oliver and Harrison Phillips and still want to beef up that position knowing – the rotation and knowing the risk of injury. Yeah, I still think, and we'll get into this later, Nick. But I, I don't think you'd go first round pick on a defensive lineman. I think you go first round pick on a CB two. I think that's a, a a bigger need right now is you need someone who can sit in there at CB two and you can be more confident. Levi Wallace has that ability, but you know he's shown flashes. He hasn't been consistent. I hear but, you. I mean, I'm still – I don't know that Tredavious White is 100% at the start of next year. No, and that's something that I think we're going to have to get uh, – that's something we're going to have to get uh, Dr. Kyle on Kyle. for. And, and him and I talked about it on the on, – unfortunately on the podcast that I had technical errors on. But, you know, I'd like to get him back and talk to him about Tredavious White and where he thinks Tredavious White is and, um, you know, a few other guys. There's not a lot of other major injuries on this team. I mean, yeah. all in all, the team played stayed fairly healthy throughout the year, which is another big positive. I mean, kudos to the training staff. I mean, last year going into the game against Kansas City, you had guys banged up left and right. You went into this game really, really healthy. And I think Sean McDermott said today, outside of the guys who are already in IR, no one's going into the offseason need a major surgery. So, I mean, that that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um but I'd, I'd like to see them next year try to get Stephon Diggs more involved at times, I think, sure. especially in a, in a big playoff game like that. But if there's one thing with Diggs that at least we haven't heard yet like from compared to what we saw in Minnesota, I think he understands being in the system. I think he knows that this is a winning football team. That's a and good he's, point. And he's more content keeping his mouth shut and just playing his game. Because even if you watched him at the end of that, the last Gabe Davis touchdown, he was the first player over there. Jumping all around on Gabe Davis. I mean, that's yeah, something that you really wouldn't see from him in Minnesota. You know, and I think he understands, look, I'm fine if I'm double covered. If that's going to get this guy open. If that's going to get us to where mm-hmm. we need to be, I'm fine. I mean, and you can draw. It's not like Diggs just played bad. Like, they schemed to take him out of the game. And it's a direct comparison between 204 for the number two guy when on a day Diggs had seven yards. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, there was really nothing that they could do to, you know, get Diggs open. I think there was even a few times where you could see Josh Allen look Diggs' way first. Yep. That was his first read. Diggs was double covered. He went the other way. So, um, all right, I, mean, take, I mean, all in all, it's going to be a – Yeah. Take, take us off, Charlie. What, what, what's your, your, your main your wrap-up here? Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's sad that this is the way it ended. Um you know, it's okay to be mad and upset and, you know, as, as Dell always says, and, 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 and all Bill's mafia always says, you know, mafia means family. And, uh, you know, we got a pretty big, big family here in, in Bill's mafia. And, you know, the one thing I do have to say, um, Nick, and, and I want you to touch on this briefly as well. Uh, people outside of Buffalo, who necessarily aren't Bills fans. Because it's something I'm dealing with here, right? They don't understand what the Bills mean to the city of Buffalo, right? My friends here are sending me texts and sending me videos. Even my friends from Florida. 
all, you know, from the game. And I'm like, guys, like now it's like not the time. Like I'm like in a legit depression right now. Like, <laughs> and, and this, and this was obviously right after the game on Sunday. I'm obviously not that way today on Tuesday. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, for a good day, I mean, it, it, it affected my day. Like I was like, yeah. man, like I was real down in the dumps. Um, But, but people don't understand you. The best way that I could think of that I've tried to compare it to, for people is Buffalo is a larger scale of small town Texas on Friday night football games. The entire yeah. city shuts down. Yeah. Players, but when players come here, they, they say it's like a college atmosphere. You 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 can go and talk to your five year old cousin or your ninety five year old grandmother, mm-hmm. and they'll be watching the game and they'll know about the game. You know, I remember I used to call my grandmas every day, and I talked to them. About, you know, especially after games when I you know I was living in Florida, and I talked to them, and they'd be able to tell me everything about the damn football game. Like they sat down and they watched every single football, every single minute of that game. They knew, they knew what happened. Mm-hmm. You could go to the grocery store. On Sundays, not not that I ever did, because I'm usually I'm usually the one watching the games. But I remember my mom would tell me, "You go to Wegmans on a Sunday; they have the game playing on the speakers instead of the crappy um, music." You know what I mean? They're they're playing the football game on the speakers. My mom always jokes around: "It's the best the best time to go Christmas shopping when you live in Buffalo is on Sundays during a Bills game because no one's out. The roads are empty, the stores are empty. You can go get everything you need because no one's there." Yep, that, that that's reflected in the TV ratings. Always right. insane in Buffalo. It is. I mean, the, the, this team means so much to to not just the fans, but to the city as a whole. You know, you go to so many cities like here in Atlanta. You even, you know, um, you know, I, I think Kansas City. You could probably think of as is the closest as far as a dedicated fan base goes. Um, you think Green Bay and Pittsburgh are up there? Green Bay's close. I'll be curious to see how the fans look in Green Bay. Not having a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback now going forward. I don't think Aaron Rodgers comes back, and if they go through a rebuild for probably the first time in a long, long time, where does this fan base kind of drift? Um, Chicago's a little bit different. I mean, they haven't been good for a while. Um, you know, they've had their own issues, but I, I, I mean, Buffalo and Kansas City—they—they've been through some real up and down times. Kansas City showed out. The other day, and, and, and I mean, look at their TV ratings. They had crazy TV ratings for that game the other night as well. Um, you know, could some of that be because the team has been Super Bowl two years in a row? Sure. But uh, at the end of the day, man, like, like, like my, my main point I'm trying to get home here is, is you know, this team is everything to the city of Buffalo. Yeah. It's not just about showing up at the airport. You know, it's it's not just, and I, and I say this joking around, but also wholeheartedly. Um. Being a Bills fan is not just like a you know a, a choice. It's literally a way of life in Buffalo. I was going to ask you. Do you remember what Luke Russert said when we had him on here and you asked him about his dad? Yeah, being a Bills fan is a way of life. I mean that that word that, for that's word. The best way to put it. I, I mean being a that that's exactly how it is. It's you're you're born into it and it doesn't go away. And you know I hope like for me with with my son, I, I hope that he understands that. Sure, he can go root for the Falcons if he wants. He has Falcon stuff. He had a Falcon shirt on today that my cousin got him because she worked at the stadium. So sure, but no, Jace is adopted. I mean, he, 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 he has no choice. He's got to be a Bills fan. <laughs> I'm not. There we go. The hell are we yeah. kidding, right? 
Like, yeah, I mean, unless, so listen, you told me you want me to touch on it. Like, yeah, that is a way of life, and it's insane. And the TV ratings are always higher in Buffalo, even in in other sports too. And I'd say, in some ways, that's a blessing and a curse. And that when you when you make when you wrap so much of your identity into the football team, Buffalo fans seem to have a very thin skin because any criticism of the football team is therefore a criticism of you personally and uh oh you criticize the bills you told me to go fuck myself too like i see both sides of that and it it does go weird online sometimes and there's some negative things about about the tailgating culture whatever, whatever you want to go there i'm not talking about that we are, we are talking about the, the communal aspect of this team loses or you remember Remember just waking up on a on a drought Monday after the Bills sucked it up again and just just felt like a blue cloud over the city. It was like blue Monday every Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and listen to Gr. I mean, you would hear it every week. Like you know, something had to give, and something finally has given. Mm-hmm. You know, finally gave, given, whatever word you want to use there. You know. This fan base finally has a team that they could finally, after so many years, be proud of. And mm-hmm. take advantage of that, guys. Take advantage of being proud of this team and enjoy this team. Enjoy this team with your parents. You know, um, my biggest regret right now is that I'm not able to watch more football games with my dad because I didn't get to see a lot of winning football games with him yeah. growing up. You know, uh, I told my wife, I said, if I can't go to Buffalo for the Super Bowl or go into Florida so I can watch the Bills playing the Super Bowl with my dad. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what I want to do. I want to watch with my dad. I want to watch with my son. Mm-hmm. And I want to sit there and watch my team race the Lombardi Trophy together. Because I watched the Bills clinch the AFC East last year with my dad. I made sure I was home for that game to watch the game with my dad. And I want to be there again when right. they that that means that game. that was a huge cultural moment. To do that, we took a shot. I've, I've taken the only time I've ever taken a shot with my dad was at a Bills tailgate. My dad pu- pulled <laughs> out the, the 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 Tennessee whiskey, the honey whiskey, and it's like, okay, we're doing a shot. I'm like, it's four o'clock on a Sunday. I've never taken a shot with you at four o'clock on a Sunday, but you know, even my mother, my mother took a shot with us, which is even <laughs> more exciting. But you know, it's it, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be a Bills fan. I, I, I and I think that after all of this dust settles and all of the, you know, the sadness and, and, and we get over this and we move on. Remember how far this team has come and where we were five short years ago to where we are now. We wouldn't even be having this conversation five years ago. We would have been talking off season three weeks ago, Nick. Yep. So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Charlie, I think we went through all five stages of grief in this <laughs> single podcast. Take us home. Tell us who the Bills will beat in the Super Bowl next year. Uh, oh, man. You know, so the NFC is a little interesting. Um, but I have a crazy, crazy feeling that uh, next year from the NFC, it's going to be uh, wherever Tom Brady is, <laughs> hmm. if he plays. No, um, in all honesty, I have a crazy feeling it might be Dallas. I think Dallas is um, – I, I think Dak is hungry, and I, I don't know what happens with Dallas with the head coach, but I have a crazy feeling that Dallas somehow finds a way to make a run next year, especially in a bad division. Um, and, and let's face it, unless the quarterbacks in the NFC get much, much better than what they are now, 
I, I I don't know how Dallas just doesn't run the table. I think Dallas has a great football team. Just they're a team that just can't execute. I would care to see what changes there. Their coach does suck. Their co- coaching would be the only thing that holds them back from from getting there. All right, so. I thought Tom Brady was it was a good answer. Wherever he goes, the Bills beating Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl would be ice and cake. Yes, just I mean, perfect. look, the way the perfect scenario next year would be first round bye, beat Kansas City at home, or, or beat beat Kansas City or Tennessee at home, and then beat the other one to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, it almost almost happened this year. Right. I, I mean, I, I, you have to, after you revenge Music City Miracle and you revenge yeah. the 13 seconds. Yeah. And uh, then you I, revenge Tom Brady for yeah. 20 years of hell. All right. But uh, I mean, that would be picturesque in some way. I, I feel uh, Cardinals, Bills Cardinals. Ooh. I still don't, I have no faith in Kyler Murray still. Listen, I will. Uh, or Cliff Kingsbury for that man. You remember the, the Houston game, obviously. Josh Allen, the moment was was far too big for him. I mean, he mm-hmm. collapsed in that game. That was what I felt like Kyler Murray in that game. I think the – I don't know. Cardinals have something coming back, a rematch of the Hopkins game. We'll see. For me, that, that that's, my real, that's my real wrap-up is, is thinking back on the Houston game. That was what I thought about a lot on, on Monday is if you were thinking this 13 seconds, like this is unbelievable, this will this game will live in Bill's infamy, this will this will never be okay. Like, you are correct. That finish will never be acceptable ever. And if you, we were saying the same thing two years ago. Josh Allen's game against Houston will never be okay. Like some of mm-hmm. like the falling lateral, like that's like, you can't, you can't spin that one. That's mm-hmm. just what it is. But the, the, the growth from two years ago is amazing. Like truly it's amazing. It's pretty lateral. He tried it once this year is like he faked the guy out and got like an extra five yards off it. And then he actually lateral it to Dawson Knox at one point again to this year. So I'm glad he still has in his arsenal because one of these days Dawson Knox is going to break it for a 30 yard touchdown. Um, so I want to tease something real quick, Nick, for next week's podcast that I want to make sure we cover next week because we do this often and we always end up covering something else because something crazy happens. Okay. Um, but all I need is a yes or no answer from you, and then we'll talk about it next week. Do Does the NFL overtime rules need to change? Does it need to? Yes. Will it? They're so not, stubborn. I not know. the question I asked. Does but does it? it? Yes. College so, is better. So next week I want to sit down with you, Nick, take some time to be on the podcast next week because we didn't get to it this week. Talk a little bit about what we would like to see happen to the overtime rules and maybe some some better uh, situations that we could see so that both teams get to touch the ball sure. and keep great games like what yeah, we saw on that's Sunday going. Yeah, that's a great offseason topic. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on that next week. We appreciate everyone tuning in this year. Um, we hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to us as much as we have enjoyed pouring our hearts out to you guys multiple times this year uh, about our, our Buffalo Bills and um, – uh, appreciate our sponsors. Eat those performance rehab. Give them a call uh, for all your rehab needs. We still need tell, them to work on like a, a Doctor Matt, Doctor Zach. Tell them the process sent you. Yeah, can, we got to get like a discount code. Like, oh hey, the process sent me. You get ten percent off. We got to talk to Doctor Matt about that. I like that idea. We got to talk to Doctor Matt about that. Maybe then I'll come see him. I'll fly from Atlanta to see Doctor Matt. Say, hey, the process sent me. Give me ten percent off. Uh, we'll talk to Doctor Matt about that. Give you those performance rehab a call. Uh, follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Veronica or on Facebook at 
by Nick Veronica. Did I get that right, Nick? I did. I did because I follow your Facebook so much. I, I do like I do enjoy all your articles. Your mom follows Facebook. my Facebook. My mom, my mom, she does say she goes, Oh, did you read what Nick Nick wrote today? Oh, I really liked it. My my mom, I think, is your second biggest fan, third biggest fan behind your mom, me, and then my mom. I think it's in that order. Um, you know. Uh Follow, follow the process on Twitter at the underscore process pod. You can follow me on Twitter at chowit 68 Again, I appreciate you guys all tuning into us. Um, and most importantly, I think this means more now than ever. Remember to always trust the process.